This is the St. Longinus's Baptism Podcast Channel. As I explained in the episode I recorded after this one, so this is going to probably bear repeating, um, my app, I, I don't know how familiar any of you are with how things have been going lately, but basically... Um, companies have been taking applications that were flawed to begin with and making them more flawed. So I originally had recorded this episode first and I thought that it hadn't gone into the can. And I found out today that there's a little... Uh, tweak in this that you got to make. So, to be quite honest, the original cuts, this is the original cut I made of episode 31 and episode 32 for that matter. I actually liked those better because they they were basically, I was focused. Uh, as Bill Clinton would say, I'll be focused like a laser beam on the economy. <laughs> Except in this case, it's not the economy, but on the topic at hand. Anyway, so to those of you who have listened to the uh, second cuts of the of these originals, um, if you're interested in giving them a listen, I'd appreciate it. If not, um, somebody else I'm sure will listen to these. So anyway, thank you for listening. Thank you for your time. God bless you. I'm praying for you all. Um, I would like to see as many people get to heaven as I can. Um, God bless you. Have a good day. Bye-bye. This is the St. Longinus's Baptism Podcast Channel, episode number 31. Why true, true holiness cannot be achieved without the spiritual life. But first, a prayer. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. All that I am, all that I have, and all that I do shall be consecrated to the service, honor, and glory, and the exaltation of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, the Sacred Heart of Jesus, and the Heavenly Kingdom. In Jesus' name I pray. Immaculate Heart of Mary, please pray for us. Sacred Heart of Jesus, please pray for us. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. So, basically... Um, I was listening to Father Utley's uh, Spiritual Life series on True Restoration, and I I've talked about this in in a previous episode. But he was coming to the uh, he was talking about how so many said vacantists were um. Well, basically what he said was, you know, and um, I probably unconsciously got this from him, but the, 
uh, he didn't call them theology geeks, but he, but he basically said, you know, when it comes to theology, church history, and the canon law, they, they're, you know, um, they're um, amateur experts on the subjects. But he said when it came to the spiritual life, that they have no idea. They have absolutely no idea. And the guy, the interviewer, who was doing the show with him said, well, you know, uh, Vatican II, Vatican II has done such, uh, has brought such disrespect upon the, the spiritual life that a lot of, uh, a lot of, um, you know, Sedevacantis just dismiss it out of hand. And I found that remark very interesting because Vatican II, okay, let's let's go back a little ways and go back to when Father Utley said when it comes to um, theology, church history, and canon law, they were many experts. Well, let me ask you guys something. If, you know, because when Vatican II just didn't, you know, corrupt, you know, Catholic spiritual teachings or the verbiage, they also, they wrote their own canon law. Um, you know, obviously they changed the doctrine or we wouldn't be said of a contest. And uh, church history, well, as I said in a previous episode, if you read post-Vatican II um, books that were published, and I'm, I'm talking even traditional Catholic books that were published after Vatican II, if you know your theology, you know darn good and well that those books have been edited. So my question is, okay, we all know that the things that said Vacantis our amateur experts in have been corrupted. Well, that hasn't kept set of from making themselves experts on uh, amateur experts on those subjects without um, or by studying the traditional sources. So what I'm saying in a long winded way is if you can do that, you can study the spiritual life, the traditional sources. And there are plenty of, um, traditional books out there that were written before Vatican II. And, um, and, and by the way, just as a quick aside, uh, I've been recently doing, uh, research into the Masons, which probably shows, but one of the resources I was studying, the author who was an English Monsignor back in the 1870s, in his um in in his in his booklet, I'm gonna call it a booklet because it wasn't a full-fledged book, uh called Protestants Separated Brethren. Now, to my Sedificantis out there, they know automatically as soon as they hear that, that that was within one of the Vatican II doctrines on um, ecumenism. 
But as, as far as I can tell, the pamphlet does have an imprimatur. It, it has a um, stamp of approval from the censors, but the term separated brethren is in there. So what I'm saying is, is that if you're a theology geek, and I, by the way, I don't claim to be one. My, my attitude is I want to know is enough theology to be orthodox um, as far as getting deep in the weeds. Um, I find that, that that's not my wheelhouse. I don't believe that's what God called me to do. Um, anyway... But if if you're if you're if you're an amateur expert on theology, you'll be able to spot the errors um, of modernism prior to Vatican II. And I hate to tell you guys this, you know. Um, and by the way, Father, there's a reason I keep hammering you guys to listen to Father Utley because. In his talks, he talks about how even traditional sources will have some airs of modernism. And to those of you who have bothered to listen to my podcast uh, episodes on uh, Masonry, Masonry started uh, infiltrating the Catholic Church as early as the 18th century. You know, we have two popes at least, that I'm aware of, and off the top of my head, I couldn't tell you who they are, who wrote against Masonry before Leo XIII did, I believe his encyclical on um, Masonry was written sometime between 1850 and 1870, if I'm not mistaken. So you had two popes prior to him talking about masonry. So the church was well aware that the masons were infiltrating the church. And, you know, if you if you study masonry, you'll you'll get a better understanding of this. Um so basically the reason I'm bringing all of this up is is when I hear Sedevacantis make excuses for why Sedevacantis in general are not, and that's by the way what it is, it's making excuses. Um, as I said in the previous episode, if you're a married couple living out on a farm with like seven or eight kids, obviously you're not going to have time to do deep spiritual reading. Um, but you could at least do the rosary. You could at least uh, read one spiritual book. There, there's no excuses for not deepening your spiritual life. And for all the theology and for all the um, church history, and, and can, well, canon law really doesn't help, but for all the theology... If you read any of the saints and the doctors of the church, they will, they they told Catholics, real Catholics, that you know you have to have a personal relationship with God. 
It's not just enough to go to mass. It's not just enough to to say um, a morning and a night prayer. It, it goes deeper than that. And you cannot expect a deeper relationship with the Lord Jesus and his blessed mother unless you make the effort. Okay? And, you know, we as moderns have, have, have had everything handed to us. And so when we actually have to sit down and do actual work, you know, we're like, oh, I can't do this, you know, blah, blah, blah. And we make excuses for ourselves. Well, we're not to, you know, if we're to follow Jesus, we're not to make excuses for ourselves. And that goes back to the, to the parable of the talent where the, where the um, servant with the one talent went and buried his talent in the ground because, you know, he was afraid that his master would be angry with him if he, you know, somehow um, lost it or something. So, um, and one last thing before I get into the meat of this matter, um, Father Utley relates a story, and he he has been a um, a traditional, uh, or I'm sorry, not traditional, the, uh, Vatican II sect has hijacked that word. Uh, he has been a set of a contest priest. I want to say since the mid to late nineties. And he was saying that when he was in his monastery, that um, he was talking to a set of a contest uh, priest in a chapel, and the set of a contest priest, and these are his words, was saying that at least 70% of the people that attended his chapel weren't really Catholic. Now, I'm going to try to make this as easy to understand as possible. When he said, are not Catholics, he was not saying that they didn't, you know, that they didn't uh, pray and they didn't attend his services. What he was saying is, is they lacked a spiritual life. They weren't reading their Bible. They weren't reading spiritual material. They weren't praying their rosary. They weren't making an effort to meet God halfway. And um, just from my own experience, even, even when I was dealing with set of a contest before I actually became one, I noticed that there, especially on Twitter, Twitter is definitely a sewer of human debris, but especially on Twitter, there is an ungodly spirit. Not with all set of a contest, but with with a with a good deal, a good deal. I'm I'm not going to be presumptuous to give a percentage, uh, but I'm I'm saying I I notice a very worldly attitude on Twitter, a very worldly attitude. You know, um, 
I went to mass yesterday and these words, the Holy ghost, my, my priest, God bless him. He, he, the Holy ghost is working through him because he literally, his sermon was, was that, um, that we just, you know, um, that we just can't, we, we have to reject the world entirely. We're only supposed to deal with the world in so far is necessary. Obviously, people have to work to support their families and go grocery shopping and stuff like that. Unless you are blessed enough to have a garden or a farm, you have to go to a grocery store. But he said, you know, we're part of being a part of Jesus is separating ourselves from the world. And, you know, anybody who's read the New Testament Gospels know this, you know. Um, and also, too, you know, we're, we're supposed to make the best. At, oh, I want to go back, back up just a step. He also said that we're called to be saints. And that also, like I said, the Holy Ghost was working through him. I am so blessed to have so, so many pious and devout priests in my life. He also said that um, we're called to be saints. Now, I've said this in previous episodes. This isn't something I made up. This wasn't something that uh, I got a whim and said. I was repeating what I have read in spiritual books Bible, the Bible, the New Testament, and I've heard from Sedevacantus priests. Now, my own theory is, is um, obviously not everyone can be a saint. Um, not everyone can be that, but we're to make the attempt. We're, at, we're supposed to make the attempt. And those of us who do not reach the status of friends of God or truly sanctified to God, um, if, if we have no mortal sins on our, on our soul, we'll at least get to purgatory, you know, which to me is a blessing in and of itself. But he said that and, but basically The reason I'm giving this episode is to try to wake you people up to the fact without a, without a spiritual life, you cannot reach heaven. Now, you can be contemptuous of me and ignore what I say. As I said in previous episodes, what I'm saying has not been said or has been said, I'm sorry, my bad, has been said by other set of Vacantist priests. If you read the saints and um, um, the spiritual writers and, and the doctors of the church and the fathers of the church, you, you know, I'm, what I'm saying is not, you know, this isn't a whim. This isn't something I'm pulling out of my butt. 
you know, but you have to make the effort. Especially for the younger generation, although the boomers and my generation are also guilty of this, is that basically, you know, the other two, uh, the, the two younger generations are spoiled. They're spoiled rotten. You know, everything was done for them. And by the way, when I say this, it's a generalization. It's not saying every millennial or Zoomer is like this. There, there, are, there are anomalies. And um, quite frankly, I consider myself for the most part an anomaly for my generation. But, you know, I was always, I remember when I, I was coming up, you know, the adults in my life always told me, um, if it's worth doing, it's worth doing right. And if it's worth having, it's worth uh, working your tail off for. And, you know, obviously because modernism has existed for 300 years, a lot of the wisdom in those words has either been forgotten or is underplayed. But I can't think of any other... Um, I, I can't think of... Any, well, as a matter of fact, I'll be bold as to say this. There is nothing else. <clears throat> excuse me. There is nothing else that has more value than Jesus Christ, his blessed mother, and the heavenly kingdom. And getting there, nothing else. Now, a lot of people will say intellectually, you know, yeah, yeah, th that's true. But, you know, judging by their words and actions, you would never know it by the way they act. You know, and we shouldn't be, we shouldn't be scrupulous. Now, I do realize that scrupulosity um, affects a lot of people. But, and this is where reading the spiritual writers comes in to help you. If you have an understanding of the spiritual life, you'll realize that God wants us to strive for perfection while we're here on earth, but he's not some lawyer in heaven literally counting your faults and wanting to throw you into hell. If that were the case, he wouldn't have come down to earth to, to make the sacrifice that heaven may be opened up to whoever uh, entrusts themselves to him and his blessed mother. And a lot of people... You know, they're overly scrupulous. You know, oh, I can't do this, you know. Uh, it's, 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 it's not in the books. And, you know, um, basically, there's going to come a time where access to priests and the sacraments will be cut off to you.
There's coming a time. You don't have to take me seriously. It doesn't matter. Those with eyes will, will know what I'm talking about. Your, your access to spiritual books, unless you buy hard copies, are going to be cut off. Your access to the priests and sacraments are going to be cut off. Um, outside of that, I don't want to presume to say anything else. But, and I've also covered this in a, a previous episode. To those of you who are scrupulous, what are you going to do if you have a spiritual, if you have a priest to give you spiritual advice now and that advice is cut off? Now, personally, I believe that as part of God's divine providence, that the reason why the access to the priests and the sacraments is going to be cut off is that those who are currently in the great or the great tribulation that's going to be coming up it's going to force us those of us who love God and want to do his will to rely fully on him to rely fully on him and his blessed mother you know, because um, I, I don't want to get, I've already covered the reasons why I think the Great Tribulation is covered. That's not the purpose of this episode. But um, I, I, I genuinely believe when those things get cut off that God has a purpose. And that purpose is, is to force us to have a more personal relationship with him and his blessed mother. So scrupulosity, um, there's, there's a difference between scrupulosity and piety. And what I would say on that score is, is piety is that you entrust yourself to the Lord Jesus and his blessed mother, and you have faith and confidence that they will not lead you into error and scrupulosity. And by the way, my disclaimer again, everything that I'm talking about, um, I'm either guilty of now or have been guilty of in the past. So this is not me on a soapbox lecturing you. Um, trust and confidence, I'm, I'm still working on that my own self. Because we as human beings obviously are flawed, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna be subject to this. Um, but a scrupulosity basically is lack of trust and confidence in Lord Jesus and his blessed mother. So what are what are the roadblocks to leading or to holiness what are the roadblocks to holiness and basically you don't get to holiness without the sp uh, spiritual life cred um complacency and i by the way everything i'm dealing with in this episode I'm de I've dealt with ad nauseum, but 
I can't assume that everyone has listened to any of those episodes. So every once and again, I'm going to have to, you know, repeat myself. But the first one is complacency. And basically complacency is, well, I've got the sacraments. I've got the priest. Um, I've got the right doctrine. I'm good. No, no. Once you're confirmed, your journey doesn't end. Your journey does not end. And um, if you, um, the spiritual writers say too, if you find that your life is easy, especially your spiritual life, then there's, then they say that you're, you know, there's something in you that is keeping you from God. There is a reason in the rosary in the um in the prayer to mother mary it says in this veil of tears basically the veil is the world and the tears are our sorrows for not just what the sins and the atrocities that occur out in the world but also to the sins and atrocities that we ourselves have not managed to um gotten rid of in our own lives. So, you know, um, as as far as I'm concerned, credibility, I'm sorry, um, complacency is when you think, well, you know, I'm confirmed, I'm good. No. You, to the day that you die, no matter how that is, to the day you die, you're supposed to be tr- striving for holiness, striver for closer union with Lord Jesus and the Blessed Mother. Self-will. Now, I'm not going to speak for anyone else. I will speak for myself. Self-will is one of the the sins that I am really, really having trouble with. And I believe it was St. Catherine of Genoa who said that our self-will as humans is so insidious, so insidious and so, um, so false that we will be doing things that we think are, and we, 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 we won't be do, uh, we won't be doing this consciously. Consciously, we think that we will be getting closer to God and we're we're being holy and pious. When in actuality, we're you know because we are unconscious of this, our self will is actually directing us, not the Lord Jesus and His Blessed Mother. So, um, beware of self-will. Presumption. Presumption. A lot of people say, you know, oh, I've, you know, and by the way, not that I count the Demon Brothers as um, a set of a contest. They're as heretical as the uh, resistors are. Recognized and resistors are in the Vatican II sect. These, the, I, I, 
is as bad, I'm, I'm going to flat out say this, as bad as some set of accountants can be, um, not all, I said some, on Twitter, I don't think outside of the secular realm, and actually those in the secular realm have a bigger excuse for this, because you know they're not trying to follow Jesus, so they they have an excuse. These I I don't think I've ever met in my Protestant days, because I was I was in a pretty you know what they would consider a pretty serious sect. I don't think I've ever met anybody so self righteous as those two brothers. And if they're not aware of this self-righteousness, and I got to believe for the sake of charity that they're not, because for the charity's sake, they do seem, they do seem to love God and his blessed mother. But their their. Uh, presumption in their pride is a stumbling block. And um, we need to all pray for the, well, for everybody who's like that, because they're going to think that they're getting into heaven and they're not going to get there. Self-indulgence. Now, self-indulgence is basically when we indulge ourselves, never, never mind the people outside of our life who we should be evangelizing to, but ourselves, where we cut ourselves some slack. Um, several saints have said, Several saints have said in the past that um, we should be harder, harder on ourselves and easier on others. Once again, that's something that I'm trying to really work on and get serious about. Because it's very easy to hurl athemnas and uh, castigate people when you're basically you know, letting yourself slide. You're cutting yourself slack. In the spiritual life, we should be hard, our own worst critic and try to be as charitable um, to others as we possibly can. And yes, even to our enemies. Self-delusion. Self-delusion. Um, as I said with self-will, a lot of people don't realize they think that they're on the right path, but they're actually just serving themselves. They're not serving the Lord Jesus and his blessed mother and divine providence. And self-delusion, honestly speaking, is part and parcel with with the modern world. And part of this self-delusion is, is, is that 
especially with younger types. They might have had, you know, semi-tread parents or even Vatican II parents. But, you know, they they think that that um, you know, they're super trad and they're they're super Catholics and ah, uh, you know, everybody else is a modernist heathen, you know, and they're just they're just you know, they're convinced. Once again, that's self-delusion. Because anyone who has spiritual eyes to see understands that ever since masonry infiltrated the, the one true Catholic church in the 1700s, and our governments and royalty since that time, will understand that we are modernists whether we like it or not. Now, you can, once again, you can play the self-delusion game and say, no, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm Mr. Super Trad. I'm Mr. Super Trad. No, you're not. We are all modernists. And it would behoove us to humble ourselves and to admit to it. Um, there's a reason why in Alcoholics Anonymous they say admitting the problem is the first step to the road to recovery. And saying, uh, I'm sorry, not saying, um, Thomas Akempis says the same thing in The Imitation of Christ. Admitting that we have a fault is the first step in, in uh, correcting the problem. We are all modernists. No, it doesn't matter if your parents were, you know, super, super uh, set of a contest from the 1980s or the 1970s or the 1990s. It does not matter. We all have modern conceptions and thoughts. Now, um, for those of you who are philosophically inclined Read the philosophers um, after the 1700s. You will see and, and compare what they write to what the, um, the popes who were writing encyclicals after the 1700s against modernism. Uh, off the top of my head, I couldn't tell you what the names of those were. And... Um, they're in Latin anyway, and I don't speak Latin. I'm a simple man, an ignorant man for that matter. But compare it. And for those of you who are historical minded, God has blessed me with an interest in history. And I've led a, uh, read a lot about history. Um, That, you know, a lot of the ideas that we take for granted nowadays are actually the heresies of modernism. Uh, they're, they're, they're the heresies of masonry, which is basically um, modernism. And if you want to take it even further back, um, it's, it's, I, I've been reading about the Masons, and they, they do go back before the 1700s. 
the 1700s is when they basically came out in the open, but they had been working, depending on who you read, um, sometime before the Protestant Reformation. Now, I'm not trying to imply that Martin Luther, Henry VIII, and John Calvin were, were, were Masons. I'm not trying to imply that. What I am saying, though, is that there were secret societies that before the 1700s that were working against the Catholic Church in Europe. Um, now, if you bother to crack any book on the spiritual life, or, you know, and I know you younger crowd hate to read, if you give Father Utley's podcast, uh, his series on the spiritual life, I'll listen. He will tell you, like I said, this is backed up by spiritual writers. And, and by the way, I've, I've been told one of the criticisms I've heard about Father Utley's series is that he's uh, pedantic and autistic. And I find that to be a very recent attitude because anybody who's older generation and before will will tell you that if you really love a subject and it's really important to you what seems like pedantry or autism to you is actually them trying to impart important information that they because they love the subject well, they want you to know it too. It's They think it's important that you should know. So, I just wanted to get that out there. Um, but anyway, um, the spiritual writers say that there is, that you that you should do a spiritual inventory. Now, and, and that's where being disillusion or delusional, that's where your enemy's going to come in. If you are not completely and utterly honest with yourself, you're, you're, you're going to have, and by the way, as human beings, to one degree or another, we are delusional. But just like trying to become a saint, when we start the spiritual life, we should try to be as honest as we can with ourselves. And Lord Jesus and his blessed mother will do the rest. I will list in my show notes uh, one of the... Um, it, it, it's called the four temperaments. For those of you who don't like reading show notes, um, just look up the four, the four Catholic temperaments. I advise you, for the for your sake, do not read any any book that is secular or or heretical on the four temperaments. There are Catholic books written by traditional Catholic priests on the four Catholic temperaments. Um, 
It, it, will, it will help you do a self-inventory. And ideally, if, if we're doing the Lord's will, as, as we are going along the spiritual life, what's been, what's, what we've been deluding ourselves about will become more apparent. The last thing is dishonesty. Now, just like with self-delusion, you could be living a lie and not even realizing it. This is why self-honesty is so important. And anyone who wants to advance in piety and uh, devotion. Because I guarantee you, there are plenty of Protestants, plenty of Vatican II, and plenty of Neotrads out there who think, who think that, you know, they're doing what God wants. As a matter of fact, St. Paul says in one of his epistles, he says in the last days, people will murder Christians and think that they are doing the will of God. You know, so, and, and, and by the way, some of these, some of these um, people who are deluded are actually, they're not doing actual murder, but they are doing character assassinations without even realizing it. They think they're de denouncing heresy and sin. And because they're delusional, they don't realize they're the ones doing it. And by the way, as part of the self-delusion part, uh, hypocrisy is a big part of that. You know, as I said in a previous episode, um, I find in a lot of my interactions with people on the internet that they will accuse me of stuff. And because we are, you know, we're basically writing down our thoughts on script. I can tell right away. I can tell right away that the stuff that they're accusing me of is, and it's right there if you have spiritual eyes to see, that they are guilty of what they're accusing me of. So if you're, you know, that's, that, that was one of Jesus' biggest criticisms of the Pharisees. Because the Pharisees were so self-righteous, so prideful, and so self-delusional that they literally would not listen to Jesus despite his miracles. And a large part of that was, was because I think unconsciously they realized, well, if, if we recognize Jesus as the Messiah, then we are actually very sinful men and we need to get their act together. And just as added background, the Pharisees were, for the, for the Protestants out there, they, they were your local pastor. 
Um, most Protestants consider their particular pastor the expert on the Bible, the expert on spirituality. Um, for the for the Vatican II sect, it would be um, you know whatever bishop or priest. And for those who are really self-delusional, uh, the heretic in Chief Francis. And for the neotrads out there, uh, I, I'm guessing, I'd never made this step to neo-traditionalism. Um, it would be whoever their local parish priest is or whatever uh, chapel that they go to, whoever that priest is. So they had they had a lot to lose. Where they were self-delusional is, is they didn't realize on this world, yes, they had a lot to lose. And they did. No, no question. Status, you know, position. But they had more to lose spiritually, which was the kingdom of heaven. So that, but, but and by the way, I realize I'm hammering a lot on self-delusion. There's actual dishonesty. There's actual dishonesty, which I covered in a previous episode. If you are defending the indefensible, meaning if you're defending what you know is a heresy or a falsehood or um, even in the best case scenario, at least a fault or an error, but you're defending it voraciously and viciously and, and you can see yourself, you know yourself and you know in your heart, yeah, there's an issue there. Um... I, I humbly beg and beseech you, I really do, please get your spiritual life in order. Um, you know, um, our Lord does not like people who purposely lie. He does not like that. And, and by the way, um, if you're purposely defending the indefensible, then... Um, you're not doing, even, even if, well, like I said, if you're defending the indefensible, it, you're not going to go anywhere in the spiritual life because if you're defending the indef uh, indefensible in, in theology or anything outside of it, then you're not going to be honest with yourself and you're going to be defending the indefensible in yourself. So you're going to go nowhere in the spiritual life. Now, I'm going to close this up. Um, I'm going to close this up. Basically, um, what I'm going to say here is I'm going to be doing another episode a little later on where I'm going to cover... Um, basically, um, 
the principles the principles to true holiness but that's going to be for a later episode so i just want to thank you for giving me your time i do appreciate it and i i really hope and pray that you've gotten something out of this and maybe if nothing else it is planted a seed and giving you food for thought. Um, I'm praying for all of you and I want to see as many people as possible get to heaven. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your time. God bless you. Have a good day. Bye-bye.